Amen. Thank you for that song. And uh, like I said earlier, I appreciated the things that we've been hearing today. The uh, message that I have uh, been pondering and preparing is going to fit right in with um, what we've been considering. As you recall, I have been uh, going, doing uh, messages on the fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, and uh, taking them one by one, just... uh, Somehow I got started at the bottom of the list and working my way up. So (laughs) that's what we're still doing. So today, uh, the fruit that we're looking at is the word goodness found in Galatians uh, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So today we are considering the subject of goodness. Before we go on in the message, could we, if you're able, stand together and uh, have a brief time of prayer. Our Father and our God, again in Jesus' name we come to you. We are thankful today for your love and care for us again. Thankful for your mercies that are extended into our lives. Thankful, Father, today for each one that is present in this assembly. Thankful, Father, for the many uh, places where the people of God are assembled today to worship. Lord, May your spirit continue to brood upon the church, strengthening her, refining her, developing her, preparing her, preparing the church for the work to be done on earth and preparing the church for eternity as your bride. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the your care in our lives and your interest and your investment in sending Jesus to provide a means of salvation and uh, providing a gospel message that we can offer to others. Thank you, Lord. Father, we ask your continued blessing on us here as we look into your word as we consider the subject of goodness in our lives as a fruit of your spirit. Bless this hour. uh, Give me clarity of thought to be able to convey clearly uh, the things that uh, I've been considering and pondering from your word. Thank you for the devotional meditation and the children's instruction. Thank you, Lord. All uh, practical uh, wisdom 
for us in our journey. Thank you. So, Father, we do commit this time to you. Be with and bless us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, the um, as I read that uh, couple of verses there in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, yeah, we have the subject of goodness before us. Um, as I thought about it, I um, I wasn't sure if I ever uh, heard a message on the subject of goodness. Probably did at some point and probably forgot it. But uh, it's probably not a subject that we just pull out every couple of months and talk about it. We probably actually do talk about it, but we don't use this word. <laughs> we talk about it in different terms, likely, most likely. Um, but the scripture uses this word, uh, uses it in Ephesians as well. Uh, just reading Ephesians 5. Verse 8, 9 and 10, for, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Um, a little phrase there, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The The word... Goodness, or the Greek word that is translated uh, in this case, goodness, uh, actually only occurs four times in our New Testament. Uh, and its definition refers to uh, basically just like we have goodness, the uh, root word of goodness is good, and uh, the Greek is is the same way. The uh, and I'm not going to pronounce the Greek words because I don't know how. But uh, you have the same concept. You have a a uh, root word out of which the uh, word comes that is translated goodness. And that root word is translated good in our New Testament many times. Uh, that word shows up actually quite a lot more frequently. It shows up 102 times in the New Testament. So, goodness shows up uh, in its Greek form four times, while good shows up 102. So, uh, so now the definition for, uh, that is given for the Greek word for good, says it this way, describes that which being good in its character or constitution is beneficial in its effect. Uh, describes that which being good in its character or constitution is beneficial in its effect. Uh, is used of things physical like a tree, uh, Matthew 7.17, 7, the ground, Luke 8.8. 8, and in a moral sense, frequently of persons and things, and then God is essentially and absolutely good in gives us those three scriptures there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where uh, Jesus says, 
uh, why call ye me good? There's none good but God. So, uh, when we think about describes that which being good in its character or constitution. Uh, so, let's think about the, uh, uh, you can turn to this scripture, Luke 6. Think about a tree, when we think about uh, that which is good in its character or constitution. Luke 6, 44. And, and 45, and this is, uh, Luke 6, 44, it, for every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of brambles, of a bramble bush gather they grapes. So there we have the illustration of a tree, and then he goes on. In verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So maybe we could illustrate it today with a tree or a person, perhaps. Uh, so we we understand that concept. It's uh, it's not uh, we're not strange to it. The uh, concept of a tree is known by its fruit, and that a a good tree bears good fruit, and a and a wild uh, tree does not. See if I can draw an illustration that we can use. Um, yeah, I think instead of trying to draw branches, we just kind of draw a tree. Um, we understand that concept that uh, what uh, whatever makes up the constitution of the of the uh, root, the main part of the tree, is what will determine the fruit. And that's what we see in this uh, uh, this word "good." Describes that which being good in its character. <clears throat> or constitution. So, uh, if it's good in its character or its constitution, then we can expect and we will have good fruit uh, as a result. And uh, the same is then said of G- uh, Jesus says here that uh, the same is true of a man. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So, good, good defines the character, you know, uh, and, and we could put a person right beside the tree. Uh, in fact, that might be good. Uh, should have uh, gave some room here, but uh, let's uh, let's say we put a person make this just a stick character. So good defines the character. 
um, good defines what is actually uh, what's actually in here, or you know sometimes the, uh, in the brain, what's in the heart, what's in the core of the person. Good defines that. Goodness defines the resulting fruit, uh, whether it's a tree or whether it's a person. Goodness defines what actually comes out of that person, out of that life. It's that which comes out of you and touches others in some way, shape, or form, comes out of me. Uh, Goodness. And it is a fruit of the Spirit, and we will... uh, we will probably give a little more attention to that thought toward the end of the message. But if the Spirit of God is uh, active in, in the heart of, a, of an individual, there are certain fruits that the Scripture lists that we would expect to find in that person's life. If the Spirit of God is at work and is active there. Uh, so goodness is a fruit of the spirit. We um, we always want to recognize that um, these fruits that are listed in uh, in the uh, scripture and in many of the other uh, they're they're not a recipe given to try to develop these things in my life so that I am now a Christian and acceptable with God. They are rather a result of being a Christian and being in tune with God and having the Spirit of God within. So the fruit is a result, not a, uh, not a goal uh, to gain acceptance uh, with God. <clears throat> so, goodness. Um, when the scripture, you know, how do we, um, how do we uh, define goodness? Um, we talked, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it being that which comes out of our lives, which touches others, but uh, how do we define it uh, from a scriptural perspective? And as I was searching through the scriptures, looking at the word good, looking at goodness, a few places that it is, and then the word good, which is uh, lots of scriptures, one of the things I, I found is, and actually, um, probably actually surprised me a little bit, and that is the... Uh, the number of times that uh, the term good works is um, used in the scriptures, in our New Testament. When you just simply go and look at them all back to back, you know, you, you read one here, you read one there. A month later, you read another one here and another one there, and you forget a bit about having... But when you look at them all back to back, that term good works actually... Uh, shows up in Scripture a number of times, and we're going to look at those shortly. But uh, when we think about goodness, and we think about uh, 
it being that which comes out of us, uh, what exactly is that? Is it is one way to define it good works? Is that one way to define goodness? Um, let's think about it. So, the word works. Um, Thayer's gives us this definition of works. It obviously business or employment. That's one thing. That which that that which anyone is is occupied in. Uh, that which one undertakes to do. Uh, any product, where whatever, anything accomplished by hand, art, industry, or mind. And this is perhaps the one that I'm thinking about most. An act, deed, or thing done. Uh, an act, deed, or thing done. When we think about goodness, uh, are we thinking about good acts, good deeds, and good things done? Would that define goodness? Good acts good deeds good things done in other words we're we're talking about we're when we're talking about goodness we're not talking about the uh the actual core of the character we're talking about what comes out of the core of that character we're talking about the resulting uh action of that uh, character so what would be those resulting actions would it be uh good good uh, Good acts, good deeds, good things done. Um, I think it it could well be. It could well be that uh, goodness is in fact good acts, good deeds, good things done. Let's uh, let's review some of the scriptures that uh, talk about good works in uh, the New Testament, and we'll start in Acts chapter nine and just. Go, uh, go through and read a number of them. So, follow with me if you can. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 39. This is, uh, well, it'll explain itself. <clears throat> Actually, it's verse 36 and 39. I'm going to read first verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. So just stopping briefly, would we say that there was goodness, the fruit of goodness was in this woman's life? Uh, go down to verse 39. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber and all the widows stood by weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Now Dorcas had died and, uh, and the people were grieving her loss. And the testimony that she left at that point was one of, uh, she was full of good works. So maybe, maybe we would say she was full of goodness. Uh, the things coming out of her were good. Uh, so that's one example uh, of uh, where the uh, word uh, good works is used uh, and it Describing a, a, a testimony of a person's life. Uh, 
The next scripture we'll look at is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Verse 7 and 8. The context uh, that is being taught here is that of of giving and uh, sharing with the needs of others. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And there we have the, the, the term good work. Uh, maybe we could say that uh, have... All sufficiency in all things may abound in all goodness. <laughs> um, may abound in every good work. Good acts, good deeds, good uh, uh, good things done. That you may abound in good acts, good deeds, and good things done. Um, Colossians chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There we have the phrase being fruitful in every good work. So there... um, the good work is identified as a fruit. You're, it, it's fruit from your life. You're, you're, uh, you're fruitful. Uh, these things are showing up in your life, these good works, these good deeds, these good things done. Um, let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. It's a few pages over. Verse 15 through 17, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Again, just uh, a scripture that exhorts us to, uh, yeah, establish you in every good word and work. Good, good works. Good deeds, good things done, good acts. Uh, first, first Timothy 5. Verse 9 and 10.
This is speaking of a widow. Um, Let not a widow be taken in a number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. There we have that phrase used twice in those verses. And a number of things listed, uh, kind of identifying uh, good works, lodging strangers, washing saints' feet, relieving the afflicted, uh, just ideas or, or yeah, describes this, this concept of good works a bit. This goodness, uh, kind of what you would look for if you were looking for the, the fruit of goodness in the life of an individual. Uh, chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. Verse 17, uh, charge, uh, verse 17 to verse 19, I believe here. Yes, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Again, uh, that they do good and they be rich in good works, uh, ready to distribute. Uh, just It defines it a little bit. Goodness, the fruit of goodness, uh, good works, serving uh, the needs of others. Second Timothy 3.16 And 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All goodness. Uh, Titus 2.7, just in a page. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. Uh, that was an exhortation to Titus. Paul had for Titus. In fact, there are several in Titus. Go down to verse 14 of chapter 2. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify, him, purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So there we have, uh, yeah, uh, uh, we as a people are to be zealous of good works. Uh, goodness should be coming out of our lives with zeal. <clears throat> and just uh, the next one is right here in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1 of Titus. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work. Um, yeah, it's it's almost uh, amazing how often this phrase shows up. We have it down here in verse 8 of Titus 3. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works for uh, these things are good and profitable unto men. Uh, the, yeah, again, just the exhortation of good works, goodness in our lives, and how it it will touch the lives of others. Uh, 
And then Titus 3.14. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. Again, the uh, fruitful, the fruit of good works. Uh, it's identified as a fruit. Uh, if those things are in our lives, we're fruitful. If they're not in our lives, we're not fruitful. Um, so, a big subject. Uh, just a few more. Uh, Titus, actually, yeah, as you saw, Titus, there's a lot of it uh, in the, uh, touched there in Titus. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Provoke one another to love and good works. Hebrews 13, uh, 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. <clears throat> and then First Peter 2.12. Be the last one that we'll look at on this uh, part of the uh, message. First Peter 2.12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, uh, I guess if we're um, if we're looking for goodness in someone's life. We would look for, uh, like I said earlier, good acts, good deeds, good good things done. And I think these scriptures that we read would indicate that as well. Uh, good works, just the things you're doing. And, uh, yeah, that... Uh, you know, if we were looking for the fruit of goodness in, in, a, in a person's life... We wouldn't look for stealing, lying, cheating, would we? Uh, we wouldn't classify those as good works. We wouldn't classify that as goodness in the life of a person. Uh, if we would see those kind of things come out, we would, uh, we would immediately de- uh, determine that uh, uh, since those are the things that are coming out of the life, then... There's a problem right in here, correct? Uh, so, uh, goodness. In, uh, tra- basically, goodness does translate to good works in, in real life on the ground. The, um, the title that I've given the message this morning is do you appreciate good people? And we'll uh, come around to that a bit at the end of the message again. But as we think about this um, and, and, and kind of unpack this idea of goodness and what it looks like in a human life, um, I simply ask that question, do you appreciate good people? 
Galatians 6 verse 10 says this, as we there, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So there it kind of adds a little bit of weight to the idea of doing good to those who are of the household of faith. Uh, maybe you would say, uh, that Doing good to those in the household of faith is, is, it should be our first priority perhaps to, to, uh, but it doesn't end there. Uh, I'd like to look at it, uh, just a little bit, consider the term toward all men. And I realize all men, uh, we're gonna look at it a little bit from the, from this perspective given in Luke, uh, chapter six, and you can turn there. Uh, all men don't necessarily fall into this category that is given here in Luke 6 either. Uh, there is some in between uh, the household of faith and this category here in Luke 6. Uh, Luke 6, 27 to verse 36. And I think I'll just read that, Jesus' words here. But I say unto you which hear... Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not that not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which have do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping not hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil be ye therefore merciful even as your father also is merciful um, so there we have a scripture that uh, instructs us specifically to exercise ourselves in good works goodness toward uh, an enemy or our enemies or those who do not treat us well to in uh, when that happens to respond with goodness good works uh, in fact says uh, verse 27 do good to them which hate you uh, verse 35 uh, but love your enemies and do good uh, Kind of sums it up with verse 36. Be therefore merciful even as your father also is merciful. Um, so rather than when, when uh, someone doesn't treat us well. Rather than uh, returning evil for evil. Uh, we, we are instructed to be merciful toward them. And out of a merciful heart do kindness. Do good things toward them. Uh, 
love them. Do good things toward them that hate us. Bless them. Pray for them. Uh, give them give them more than they ask if they try to take advantage of you. Uh, those kind of things. So, goodness, goodness toward all men. Yes, toward the household of faith, but not just there. Toward all men. And like I said there, you know, the household of faith is those who we're close to, those who we relate to, those who we uh, do church with and, and do community with. Uh, the enemy is uh, that person on the other end of the spectrum who uh, there's a there's a, a, a host of people in between there uh, in all of our lives experiences where we have opportunity. You know, just for example, um, you have uh, you have uh, situations where there are disasters, uh, natural disasters uh, or war, as there is in Ukraine currently and. And uh, to do good toward uh, the people uh, that are in those situations, to help them out, to uh, make the comforters to send over, to buy the generators to send over, to so that their uh, basic needs can be met and they can survive the cold winter and uh, their babies can be comfortable, uh, as comfortable as possible. Uh, those are the kind of things that... Uh, yeah, not just to those who are of the household of faith, but uh, to to everyone. All right. Um, now I'd like to look at some biblical examples of goodness. Um, we already uh, read about the one, and I'm just going to reread the the two verses there. The one the one is simply that uh, example of Dorcas there in Acts nine. Uh, she was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And then in verse 39, it says, The women uh, stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So she was a, a, an example of a person who was filled with all goodness. The fruit of goodness was very much a part of her life. She uh, spent her... Uh, days and energies uh, spent a lot of uh, effort in apparently making things for the needs of others. Uh, you know, we don't know whether she um, just made them and gave them away or whether she made them and sold them at a price. We don't know those things, but we know that whatever she was doing, it was serving the community well. Uh, and just, you know... Uh, just giving something away for uh, meeting someone's need, giving someone something for nothing isn't isn't the only way to uh, do a good deed. You know, you can provide a service at a price, but you can uh, provide that service well. You can do an excellent job of it. You can do your best, and you. Uh, uh, it, it can it can fall into the category of a good deed, serving your community well. Uh, doesn't just have to be things that are done as a charitable uh, effort. Though certainly those things do fall uh, very much in this category, the charitable effort, which uh, uh, there's you know opportunities abound. Uh, 
Next one I'd like to uh, look at, and that's in Luke 10. It's familiar to us, the uh, example of the Good Samaritan. And maybe I'll just read it for the contrast of the different ones in their response. And Jesus, or or let me just back up even further than verse 30. Um, We have this lawyer who was tempting Jesus and asking him what he should do to inherit eternal life in verse 25. And uh, we have a little discourse with uh, Jesus there. Of course... Well, let me pick up in he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself. That was the lawyer's response. And in verse 28, Jesus says to him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gives this illustration, uh, this example. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Uh, reminds me of the words that we read there uh, about where, where uh, Jesus exhorted us to uh, be merciful. Uh, this Samaritan had compassion. Verse 34, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he had departed, he, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatever thou spendest more will I, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him? That fell among the thieves. And maybe we could ask in light of the message this morning. Which of these three were filled with goodness. Or had goodness coming forth from their lives as a fruit of their lives. And I think we know the answer. The Good Samaritan is an example. Uh, you know he he's identified as a Samaritan. But everybody calls him the Good Samaritan. Because he did a good thing. He was. There was goodness coming out of his life, and he uh, he went up uh, above and beyond what he actually would have needed to. You know, it was commendable that he met his immediate need there and took him to a place of care, um, and that 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 alone would have been a good. Uh, but he left extra money so for the care of the individual, and not only that, he committed to pay even further. If additional expenses are incurred in the in the care, so that's a, definitely a biblical example of goodness in the life of an individual. <clears throat> as we think, as I was thinking about uh, biblical examples, I uh, 
I guess I couldn't help but think about Jesus. He's definitely a biblical example. Uh, turn in uh, your Bibles to Matthew 15. Matthew fifteen thirty and 31. It says, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame and blind and dumb and maimed and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. And then if you just jump ahead in Matthew to chapter 21, we uh, see a bit more of that same idea. Chapter 21, verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now there's two things I'd like to pull out of there, but before I do that, I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to read the account as it's given in John as well. And maybe we could just turn to that one. Maybe the Gospel of John chapter 2. And we'll begin in verse 13 of John chapter 2. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a small, made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables, and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it is it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. So there's something interesting about this uh, example that we have here. First off, I'd like to uh, again notice the the fact that Jesus did uh, he did a lot of good deeds. He he uh, he healed people. He uh, the lame saw uh, were able to walk. The blind were able to see. The deaf heard. Uh, just uh, various things that he did. But I'd also like us to notice something else here about Jesus, and something that I think is an important part of this conversation is the fact that Jesus uh, drove out the. Uh, the livestock that were in the temple that were there and, and the, the money changers the, the, uh, were doing their business in, in, in there. Uh, you know, when we, when we think about good works, good deeds, 
coming from the heart of an individual. Uh, good deeds, what, what, what determines what is a good deed? Is a good deed determined by how it is perceived by the recipient? Is that the only criteria for determining whether a good deed is a good deed? Do you think that uh, these money changers were very happy with Jesus? Do you think it felt like a good deed to them that he did that to them? Turned over their tables and upset their business. You know, many good deeds will uh, be perceived as just that they'll be perceived with gratitude and with gratefulness and it will minister to the person and it will meet a felt need perhaps and and there will be a uh, the recipients will uh, be very grateful for it but good deeds are not limited to just what uh is perceived as uh Gentleness, kindness, uh, just meeting that felt need. Good deeds sometimes involve uh, doing the right thing even when it's not appreciated. And that's what Jesus did in that exa- in this situation. He did the right thing even though I'm fairly confident that the recipients of what he did didn't appreciate it. But it was still a good deed. It was still the right thing to do. And there will be times in life when you will find yourself in those kind of situations where you know what the right thing is to do, but you know that the recipient, it won't feel like a good deed. There may be times when, uh, uh, yeah, the... uh, well, it's it's the example of a say a doctor or a dentist. You know, uh, we're we're kind of blessed today with all the novocaines and the um, anesthesias that they have to knock us out and do that painful work, and we don't know it's happening. But in the day, it didn't used to be that way, and when you had an abscessed tooth and the dentist went in there with his pliers to yank that thing out. It was going to be incredibly painful for the moment. And it wasn't going to feel like a good deed, kind deed. But in the long run, it was a kind deed. It uh, it spared you a lot more trouble. But at the moment, it didn't feel that way. Uh, I think sometimes of the situations where there was... Uh, a, 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 some of the horrific situations when there was blood poisoning in and they'd try to stop it. They'd go up the, you know, it was moving up the leg and they'd go, they'd see this dark uh, sweltering going up the leg and they'd go up ahead of it and cut and, and, and to try to stop it and put, and, 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 and if it didn't stop it, then a couple of days later to go up further and you read some of the stories of people to, yeah. Obviously, uh, Things that were good deeds, but sure didn't feel like it. And, you know, you can translate that to real life situations. I don't know even what that might be. But in this case, I think it's something we have to think about. 
that good deeds are not just that which feels so good to the recipient and just makes that recipient feel just so blessed and so uh, cared for. And so many times it'll be that way, but probably not every time. And just like this example. So to give the correct uh, analysis of this subject, I, I, I feel to have left this aspect out of it would not have been giving the, a, a full picture of uh, good deeds. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> and then one more scripture uh, uh, giving us an example in the in the scriptures is here in in Matthew 25. This is also a scripture that is familiar to us. I think I'll start in verse 31 and read through verse 40. It says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered? And fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink. When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. <clears throat> so here's a, uh, an example of a group of people who were... Uh, goodness was a very uh, vital fruit in their lives. Uh, we see it explained here. It, we see it actually defined. Uh, now, the interesting thing about it is that they were not consciously doing these things to be good. It was part of them. It was who they were. It was a part of their It was in their heart. And so they lived their lives that way. And uh, it was a, a it was the fruit coming out of their lives. And quite a bit of definition given in, in these uh, examples that are here. Just meeting the needs of others at those moments when perhaps those other individuals didn't couldn't meet their own need so back to the question do we appreciate good people that was the the title do we appreciate people whose lives are controlled by the spirit of god and the fruit of goodness is hanging all over their lives do we appreciate that when we see that in someone's life 
I think we would all admit, yeah, we, we appreciate that. We like that. Well, if we like that in others, perhaps we should make sure that uh, that's a reality in our own uh, in our own lives. And with that thought, I'd like to close with John 15. Maybe I read the first eight verses here, John 15. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And so there's the, uh, there's the solution for us, each of us. Um, as Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Uh, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Again, comes kind of back to the to the beginning. Um, if we will have this fruit in our lives, it's not. Uh, it, it's if if we're lacking this fruit, we don't want to just go out there and start looking. Okay, now I need to do. I need to do this ten times this week and I need to do this five times. I need to do this six times so that I have this fruit in my life. If it's missing, then uh, let's uh, look at our uh, our heart and our abiding in Jesus and our uh, reality of, of walking with him. Uh, if our relationship with the Lord is vital and real, these are fruits that should develop, should be coming. Uh, doesn't mean we don't look at life and at times realize, you know what, there was an opportunity where I could have had a contribution into someone's life and I didn't take the opportunity. That's a reality. And we evaluate, uh, how am I doing in life? Uh, but uh, we want to always remember that it's our connection with Jesus that uh, that is first and foremost in our in our hearts and lives that we cultivate, that we uh, continue to develop. And out of that connection uh, and the Spirit of God in us, uh, the fruit, um, it it will continue. It will develop. It will uh, become a part of our experience. And uh, so, uh, if we find ourselves lacking, that's, that's the, that's, 
that's where to go. Uh, abiding in Him and He in us. So may God add His blessing to those few thoughts. And uh, perhaps if you're able, we could kneel together and just close with prayer. Again, our Father, we say thank you. Thank you for being with us here again today for your word and having it among us and freely available. Thank you, Lord. Thank you again for the spirit that you put within us and the uh, fruits that it develops in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the connection that we can have with your son, Jesus, and that uh, through that connection, uh, his heart becomes part of our heart. We develop the burdens that are his burdens, and we thank you for that. Bless us, Father, as we uh, think about this fruit of goodness and as we think about its, uh, its presence in our lives and, and the benefits of it, and the blessing of it, the usefulness of it in, in uh, kingdom life and advancing your kingdom. Father, continue to, to give us uh, fruitfulness. Help us to recognize our own selfishness or uh, self-focus that would hinder the Spirit of God's work in our lives, that would hinder our connection with Jesus, and that uh, would cripple the, uh, the fruitfulness. Help us to understand those things, to repent of those things, and to continue Uh, to develop in our relationship with you and to be blessed, uh, have the blessing of seeing the resulting fruit. So Lord, again, bless each one here today. Bless your people across the world. May the uh, people of God be edified and and, uh, built up today as the word of God is preached in many places. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.